everybody, and welcome to another episode of Intention is Everything. I am your host, Karen Frazier. Cheryl is taking the afternoon off. So sitting in with me, as previously promised, is our good friend, Chuck Gotsky, the inner voice healer, and my former for I don't even know how many episodes we did co-host when we did Paranormal Underground. Hey, Chuck, thanks for sitting in for Cheryl and thanks for joining. Sure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for inviting me along for the ride. Yeah. You know, the, the gang rides again. I always like, I always like hosting shows with you. It's a lot of fun. So, yeah. So I am super excited to introduce our guest today. He is someone who I became aware of on Instagram because I have made my Instagram a place of warmth and love and inspiration where I can go And I can interact with people who feel really authentic and read their messages and see their pictures. And so I, that's the kind of stream, the kind of stream, there you go, this kind of stuff that I follow. And so I don't even know how I came across David, but I did on Instagram and we invited him to be on the show and he is happy to join us. So our guest is David Strickle and he is, um, he is a channel. He channels the stream. So here's his bio for you. He's been receiving what he calls downloads of thought from source consciousness since his childhood. And he refers to it as the stream. The stream's wisdom provides a deep understanding of the meaning of life and the universe, as well as universal process of creation. These teachings have proven effective in transforming lives all over the world via the Taya practice, which is a practice co-created by David in the stream and it's an application of the stream's teaching for our modern lives. He shares these teachings via his best-selling book, The Stream, which I read this weekend, The Stream, Eternal Wisdom for a Better Life, his popular podcast, The Stream of David, and his Taya Academy. David also offers live workshops, retreats, and summits to share the stream's wisdom for humanity. David Strickle, welcome to Intention is Everything. It's fantastic to be here. Thank you so much. That was a fantastic introduction. I think I'm just going to capture that and, and use that everywhere. You're just going to keep that. That is it. You, it's, it's you in a nutshell, isn't it? It is indeed. <laughs> well, and you know, I have to tell you, Chuck knows this and our listeners know this, but you don't. I never prepare for our podcasts. Mm. And I actually read your book this weekend. Um, so you're special. I have prepared for our podcast. I feel special. You have to tell me how you liked it or if you didn't. I did. I did. And that's actually one of the things I kind of wanted to Chuck and I sort of met a little bit before the show. And it's one of the things that we were talking about. So is that I liked it because I like reading what other people channel because it's so similar because I think it comes from the same source, but it comes from a different person with different filters and different experiences. And so you may vibe with somebody who needs the way you present the message in a way that's different than somebody who would vibe with the way I present the message. And so I would, the first thing I really want to ask you about is just the stream. Explain to our readers, our readers, sorry, I've been writing a book. I'm off in another world. Explain to our listeners what the stream is. The stream is source. The stream is is something that I've been, as you said in that perfect introduction, I've been receiving it my whole life. I didn't know what it was for a long time. 
I thought it was something that everybody had. And I still think that it's something that everybody has. Uh, We're all connected to source. And when I was exploring, trying to figure out what it was, because when I got into my, my teen years, I started comprehending the fact that, okay, not everybody's getting the same stuff that I'm getting on the same level, because I have this deep understanding of, of how the universe works and what life is all about and all of these things that other people either aren't interested in or aren't getting the way that I am. And I was raised Christian. I was raised in church. And some of that really resonated with the stream and some, some of it did not. And a lot of the, the judgment and the fear and all that stuff didn't really resonate with me. So I stepped away from religion, you know, it, probably, gosh, in late teens and spent my 20s and 30s trying to figure out what my knowing was. That's what I used to call it. And this knowing was very clear about the universal process of creation. A lot of people now call that law of attraction, but I think law of attraction is just sort of a component of that. And a lot of just this meaning of life, really deep philosophical understanding of why we come to physical, what expansion is all about, why we suffer and how that actually serves us. And I was seeing the world through that lens and seeing it very differently than society teaches us to think. So it took me many, many years of trying to figure it out to finally come to terms with the fact that it's just source, that we're all source, we're all expressions of source. We filter that information differently based on our experiences, but it really is source. That that is what lies beyond physical, is that eternal consciousness that knows no time or boundaries. It's just source. Yeah, I I find that interesting because I was just like, I was, I kept smiling as you were talking because everything you were saying is exactly what I say. Like when you're talking about the knowing, when you're talking about the source, which I call internal energy and internal voice, uh, the thing that connects us to uh, the universe or the larger uh, energetic uh, self that's out there. Um, I find that even your story itself, which I've, I read, you know, your bio from when you were a child to divorce and all that, like I went through all that myself. I found that that was um, spot on to my life. Like I thought I was reading my own bio somewhat, you know what I mean? And I'm wondering if like, do you feel like I always felt that I feel that us going through, like when you talk about the suffering and, you know, all the different uh, facets of humanity, you know, and how our emotions and fear and all that comes into play. Do you feel that that is, is, is for us on purpose? to make us who we are so we may help not just ourselves but others i think we we use that expansive energy however we choose to use it and, and certainly we we, we talk in, in the taya practice that, that i teach we talk about being up to spiral source connected high vibration uh and when, when we talk about that and you're in that high vibrational state of appreciating all that is and loving all that is you can't help but want to inspire and and help others. It's just a natural state of being up there, I believe. So the the idea of suffering, we are taught to fear it and we are taught to demonize it, yet we all experience it in some way and certainly some more than others. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thinking that we're we're heading towards some sort of a, you know, perfection where there's no suffering in physical, really you're not seeing the value that can come in negative experiences. And what I came to understand is that we're all eternal beings. 
we're all here having a very temporary physical experience and nothing that can happen to us in physical ends what we are eternally. This is just an experience. So if you start thinking about, well, life is just an experience. And if you remove the judgment from what life's supposed to be, then you really do do away with suffering. It's just a concept that we've learned mm -hmm. to demonize and to, to fear and, and all that sort of thing. And then when you start just looking at your, your sum of life experiences mm -hmm. as just that, just experiences, then there is no suffering. Right. And I agree because I, when, I, when I speak to people um, and, and how you're saying it, um, I always teach people just, you know, you, you, you go through life, but you, it's moment by moment. You know, all the moments are important, whether they're negative, they're positive, positive. Doesn't, to me, it's not, it's, 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 how, you know, how you look at things, if it's good or bad or negative or positive is all relative to your own perspective anyways. But I believe as a whole, you're correct. I believe that everything encompasses and makes us who we are. How, how do you, like when you bring in uh, the, uh, the stream, uh, how do you channel? I mean, how do you bring it in? How does it come to you? Is it constant? Is it on and off? How, it's, it's, always, it's always there, but I, I do notice, and I talk about the spiral a lot. You know, we, we spiral up, we're in positive, we spiral down, we're in negative. And I think everybody uh, you know, can agree with that or identify with that. So the higher I am vibrationally, the more I get. And to go into channeling, and, and I naturally go into channeling, but when I'm doing it for an audience or for a person, I'll be a little more formal about it. I'll get very quiet. I'll invite them to meditate with me. We'll do some breath work. And then in that type of channeling, I completely step back and they step forward and I have very little recollection of it after I've done it. So it is a little different experience than when it's just kind of flowing a little bit. So there's varying degrees of it. I think it's always present, but I love getting to that space where I can just step back and let it flow. And then you are talking to them and not me. Right. <laughs> and there, there is a, a definite difference between the two. And, and anybody that knows me or even people that don't know me, you can tell the difference between the stream and David. And, and what I've done from the beginning, uh, I've always channeled the stream and made sure that you understood that, okay, this is the stream. And then this is the human David that you're hearing from. And you'll always hear my perspective of their teachings and how I'm applying their teachings and my very human experience, which is certainly not perfect. <laughs> so anytime I have an obstacle, anytime I, I am experiencing something that someone else might consider suffering, I, I am the first to share it with everyone that, hey, this is what I'm going through. This is what I'm experiencing. And this is how I'm expanding from that experience. Even if I haven't yet figured out how I'm expanding, this is what I'm, I'm dealing with right now. And this is, this is how I'm using these tools. So the things that we teach are not about living some life of perfection. I, I just don't think that we're here for that. I think it's silly to even think that we're here to you know, study some, some sort of spiritual practice or dive into the law of attraction and manifest every single thing that we want all the time and never have a problem. I just don't buy into that. Right. And I know that sells books, <laughs> probably, <laughs> probably sells a lot more books than I have sold, but I would rather say, Hey, you know what? The suffering part of it, the obstacle part of it, the not so perfect part of it, there's gold in that. Yeah. Appreciate that. Yeah, for sure. And so to me, the dichotomy is interesting. And so I would be curious about your perspective on this, because I know um, that for me, 
I do the same thing. I'm very human. I would like to sometimes be a little less so. <laughs> and I get caught up in my story. And when I get caught up in my story, I suffer in that story for a while, even while I'm standing back, recognizing that I am suffering in my story instead of doing with it what I know I could do with it. So I'm wondering if you experience that dichotomy and how do you manage that? How do you get out of your story? Well, that's a perfect segue for me to talk about the Taya practice, because that's what that's really what Taya is all about. Trust your abundance is learning to trust the universal process of creation because i i understood law of attraction i don't know how into law of attraction you are on, in your show and your audience but i understood that very early on i didn't know what it was called and in fact i thought i invented it at one point you probably read that in my book that ridiculous you know, idea that oh I, I invented this cool thing that if you think you're something you become it and i i realized that the law of attraction is like gravity it's just happening we're attracting everything that comes you know, into our lives. And of course, when you say that, the inevitable response very often is, well, what about somebody with cancer or somebody who was abused as a child or somebody who's murdered? You know, how do you attract that? Nobody wants that. And they're really not diving deep enough into the universal process of creation and understanding that law of attraction is like gravity. We attract all of it, but we're operating in this vibrational flow that we're all aware of. The vibrational flow is why our emotions are sort of on this, this up and down movement and some more violent, more violent up and down movement, certainly than others. But no matter who we are, we are experiencing this range of emotion and a range of experiences in our lives. We go up in vibration. We attract things that we want. We dip down. We attract obstacles or we unravel things that we're manifesting that we want. And we have problems in our lives. And that's part of the, the, that's, I call that the universal process of creation, because as we move through this vibrational flow, we're attracting this mix of things. And when we're at our best, meaning when we're really understanding this process, we understand that the low vibrational stuff serves as inspiration for us to expand and create something new. Even if that new creation is just moving through that experience and learning from it and growing from it. And we've all had things in our lives that were painful in the moment. And when we move through them, we can look back and say, gosh, you know, I experienced X, Y, Z, and that was a very difficult time. But now when someone else is talking about experiencing X, Y, Z, I can identify with that. We can have a deep conversation about that experience and really connect on a different level because I've had that experience. It makes us more complex and sophisticated beings to have moved through suffering and learn from it and expanded from it. And inevitably, I think we're, we're going to in one way or another, but when you flipped that perspective to appreciation of it, even if you don't know how it's serving you yet, then the clarity of how it's serving you shows up so quickly because you're up in that high vibrational space of source, which is all about appreciation and not about judgment at all. Right. Well, so I, I always frame it in terms of, um, shortening the time between the triggering incident and the realization. And um, I think that that it's similar to what you're saying, but my language is different, right? So you would probably say something like you're noticing the spiral and interrupting the spiral. Is that how would, so how would you phrase that differently? Because what I say is shortening that time um, in space time between when we have the incident and we get stuck in our story and then we realize. 
It, it, well, the, the name of your show is perfect. It's intention. Yeah. So it's about detuning. So that's a very, very, and that's the thing I was going to share at the end. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and share it now. That superpower, if you will, that anyone can learn is that detuning through appreciation. So when you go down into lower vibration and you're in that lower state and you know you're there because you feel lethargic, you don't feel as hopeful, uh, maybe even you feel a little depressed, you know, anything less than joy. If you start thinking in terms of anything less than joy is down the spiral a bit. And certainly there are different levels of that all the way down to full on depression, you know, and, and just wanting to not be in physical anymore. And, and we've all been in, in all of those places. But when you're down the spiral, when you're in anything less than joy, you are in this fog where you perhaps can't even remember what it was like to be up and you feel hopeless maybe. And when you're down there, it's very hard to just jump up to appreciation. Uh, you know, a lot of people talk about meditation in that state. I think meditation has a lot of value. I do it almost every day. I love it. But sometimes when you're really down there, sitting and trying to quiet your mind is impossible because that runaway train of negative thought just takes over because you're down there. So you can develop a toolkit to detune your reaction to that down the spiral stuff. And when you make it a practice, and this is what we're all about with what I teach, when you make it a practice to start meeting that level, wherever you are, just an appreciation of it, not judging it. I shouldn't be down here. I know I'm miscreating down here. I'm down here creating obstacles. I'm a spiritual person. I should be meditating. All that stuff is pointless. It's simply appreciating the fact that this is the universal process of creation. It's natural to go down my spiral. And I'm down here trusting the process, even though it sucks. I don't like being down here, but I'm trusting the process. As soon as you find a little bit of appreciation for that space, you feel relief. And then we teach you how to build your way out of that that um, situation and relieve yourself of that DTS feeling and move up your spiral. And you can do it from any space and move up bit by bit by bit, not trying to jump up to the top of the spiral. That's very important. When you try to go up to joy and complete source connection from down the spiral, you end up failing because you judge where you're at. So it's detuning the judgment, learning to not judge the experience that you're having and appreciate it and understand that that's part of the process of creation. And if you think about the fact that everything, all creation really, but just think about humanity's creations, our homes, our, our internet, our electricity, our vehicles, you know, all of these things that we've created, all of these things are solutions to what we once perceived as a problem or a deficiency. So our deficiencies, our problems, our obstacles are really there to serve our expansion. They inspire us to create something new. But when we're down there experiencing the obstacle, it seems hopeless. But think of how many times you've had something cross your path that felt hopeless in the moment. And then the next day, it wasn't so bad. Mm -hmm. That wasn't so bad. Why did I freak out so much about that? Why did that take me so far down? Why was that so triggering for me? You can teach yourself not to be triggered. You can detune all of them. And when you do, then you're able to find appreciation. And appreciation is a magical, magical thing. You can change the behavior of humanity toward you through appreciation. It's very, it's, it's such a satisfying thing to do. When you talk about uh, detuning, you know, um, are we talking about the same as like 
um, when I coach, I talk about reprogramming the mind to to better accept things in a, in a new perspective and get rid of the old lessons we've learned through whether it's through um, schooling or parenting or life environments, you know, anything in, in general like that. And then also connecting to your inner self and letting that lead you first as you reprogram your mind to kind of accept the same thing. And then it kind of all falls into place. Would you say that's kind of, yeah, it's a practice, right? It's a practice. So you're, you're, you're developing a practice for yourself to where you claim ownership of all your creation. I love that. A lot of people don't want to do that. I know. know. (laughs) You don't want to claim ownership of X, Y, Z that happened, especially things that happen when we're children, because our society teaches us to feel victimized. Mm-hmm. And the problem with that is when we feel victimized and we're down in that muck of victimhood, what vibration are we in? We're in that vibration of vulnerability. We're in that vibration of calling in more things of like nature. Mm-hmm. And we see evidence of that. It's a lot easier to see it in others than in ourselves sometimes because we're in our story all the time. Right. But think about your friends and your family and your coworkers and how the way they think and the way they speak and their general attitude is absolutely dictating or creating their life experience. Right. The, the happier, exactly. confident, more uh, positive focused people are having a more positive, not necessarily perfect, but a more positive experience in general. Whereas the negative people, you know, the people that are always complaining are always manifesting something else to complain about because right. that's where their vibration is. And we give away our power when we allow ourselves to stay in that victim space. And I understand that we're taught that. So it's very easy to operate your life feeling like a victim, especially around childhood things. But when you turn and claim ownership of all of it, you then claim the power to transmute that negative experience to something that serves your expansion, all of it, no matter what it is, it can all be changed. And and of course, there's always a a, long line of people that want to do the what about X, Y, Z. But at this point in my, in my coaching, I have worked with people whose children have been murdered. I have worked with people who have been abducted and tortured and raped. I've, been, I've worked with people who were molested as children, and they all found paths to detuning those things. And the reason I throw out those very disturbing and extreme examples mm-hmm. is because I sort of put place them on a pedestal. If they can detune that, we can all detune anything. We just have to choose whether we want to do it or not. Right. And I agree. And, and would you say also like, well, this is, I guess, the way I look at things. Um, it's, it's really easy when you have your, your, your close friends or family and something bad has happened, you know, um, to be able to forgive them and accept what they've done because, you know, you love them and this is, uh, you know, they're close to you. But yet we find ourselves as our own in our own story and doing our own living our own lives. It's so much harder to, to forgive ourselves for certain things and to let go of that. And if we could learn to do exactly what we do for everyone else, for ourselves, it would make it so much easier. Indeed. Yeah. I used to, uh, one of the first tools that I created when I started uh, really moving into teaching this to other people is I created this tool I used to play this game, this little voice would pop into my head and it loved to play the let's beat up David game emotionally, right? You know, you're not good enough. That's not going to work. You weren't born into the right circumstances. You'll never be successful. You know, that little voice that nags at us and just, just tears us down you know, from our ego. Right. So I learned this technique from the stream to take that part of my ego and create 
this sort of external being that is no longer me and give it an identity and learn to mute that voice as a separate identity just to stop that runaway train effect. So I named my voice Claude and Claude did not have any meaning for me. It was just a name that I, you know, I always apologize to the Claudes of the world. Sorry, I just didn't think it was a great sounding name. So Claude was not a person in my life. Claude was just an identity I gave that little voice and I separated it from myself. And back when that voice was so active in my thirties, gosh, you know, I was 300 pounds. I was addicted to Oxycontin. I was in this terrible relationship and I was working at a job where I made a lot of money, but I wasn't happy. Life was not good. If you read the book, you probably read all about that. So Claude was very active in my thirties and I used that tool to shut that voice down. And then I got to where I didn't hear from Claude at all anymore. And now I've gotten to the place where I've made such peace with Claude that it's just a laugh if that ever comes back around when I'm down the spiral. It's, it's like Claude is part of me again, but I had to separate it for a while to shut it down so that it didn't have its way with me, if you will. Yeah, you reintegrated your shadow self, which yeah. uh, good on you, because that is a hard thing to do. That is a lifetime of work right there, what you did. So yeah, and you know, it's funny that I love that shadow term now, because again, this is one of those things that this is coming from the stream. And it's, it's information that's dropping into my mind. And I think I invent this stuff and then you get out and realize, <laughs> realize, okay, other people are teaching this already. And I thought, you know, I had somebody that went through my boot camp, and she kept referring to shadow work. I love this shadow work. It's so great. I'm like what shadow work? And I was already teaching it to her, calling it something else. It's all the same thing. I love how we all get the same thing from source, yeah. but we, we interpret it our own way based on just what we know. And I had not been a student, as you read in my book, I was not a student of spirituality, not much at all, other than I got into Abraham because I was guided toward Abraham, really to become comfortable channeling. Mm -hmm. Because that Abraham's uh, Esther Hicks channeling of the Abraham message made made me not judge channeling the way that I did at one time. Right, I know. I I totally understand that. Um, mine was a little more probably through the conversations with God stuff, but the, uh, the Abraham. And you're right. I channeled in secret for years. <laughs> so. So I appreciate when people are willing to, to share that as well. I feel a little less alone. So I appreciate that, but I did want to get back to the victim thing um, because this is something that's coming through a lot in my uh, current connection to channeling. And I recognize that that has as much to do with where I place my focus and which part of the message I plug into, right? Um, and so I get that, but I do think I tend to plug into the part of the message that's timely. And a lot of what I'm getting right now is stuff about this culture of victimhood and this addiction to victimhood and the fact that we use our status as victims to hold us back and not reach our potential and stay in our old icky stuff and and things like that. And yet you see it, we have it in a lot of things like, I mean, support groups to some extent are, are continuing to remain in that victim status. And so I'm curious your take on that and, and what you would say, because it comes across, I realize even as I'm saying this, my inside, my Claude is going, gosh, that sounds so callous. That sounds so non-compassionate, which it, it's not, it's not intended that way. So I would be really curious to hear your take on 
that big you know, pulling that I just did. <laughs> yeah, and you're right. It's it's we we uh, I uh, I'll tell you a little story. I used to live in San Francisco, and I was in my late 40s when I moved to San Francisco, and I moved into this big high rise building right downtown. And San Francisco is a very expensive place to live, and this building was just full of 20-somethings, all these tech-employed 20-somethings that were all, you know, making several hundred thousand dollars a year if they weren't already millionaires from their, you know, IPO (laughs) that they were involved in. And so I was an old man in that building by far. And they were all, I just noticed that, gosh, none of them leave the building to go to work. They're all sitting out on their, their MacBooks, you know, in their pajamas and their sweats, uh, you know, with their startup doing this sort of thing. And at that time I was still working in corporate. I'm in a suit, you know, leaving the building every day to go do my, you know, grown-up stuff. And there was a little resentment in the beginning. And then I realized, well, gosh, what, what am I resenting here? You know, these millennials seem to really get it. They're free. They're very international. They can live anywhere. None of them are tying themselves to a company. They're not putting a suit on and driving off to a job they hate. They seem to be very happy and they're successful. And I realized that, gosh, you know, we're, we're born up to speed with the time that we're born into. And so our society has become progressively more sophisticated in many ways. And in that way, the younger generation than me, I'm a gen, gen Xer, they are more sophisticated, just naturally. But the thing that I do notice about the younger generation is it seems like they really doubled down on this victim thing, that they're more, they, they really feel uh, victimized by a lot of things. And all of these labels And I understand people wanting to be free and express themselves and live their lives the the way they want to live it. I'm an openly gay man, so I do get that completely. But a lot of times it seems like we have all of these labels and we have all of these focuses and all we're doing with them is placing that label on ourselves and then making ourselves a victim, whatever it is, any topic and saying, gosh, you know, you, you, society is victimizing me in this way, X, Y, Z. And then it inevitably turns into, I can't be happy. I can't experience joy. I can't be successful because I'm being you know, discriminated against because I'm this. And some of that may be true, but when that's where your focus is, that's going to be your reality. So as long as you're feeling like you can't because of X, Y, Z, you're going to create that as your reality. And I remember being a child thinking that way because we were the poor people in our family. My parents got divorced when I was six. My mother moved us back to our hometown. My father married someone that had money. My aunts and uncles and cousins all were upper middle-class people, at least if not wealthy. And so we were poor in comparison to that. My mother was a minimum wage earner. So I remember thinking that my life was hopeless because there was no money for me to go to college. I didn't have the advantages that all my cousins had and woe is me. And I'm so put upon, and this is so terrible. And that's where I, I thought I invented the law of attraction. I remember at age 14, it dawning on me that I don't have to stay in this space, that this was a creation of my mother's and I could break that cycle and not live her life over again, because she felt like such a victim for the rest of her life. So I broke that cycle in my teens and I went on to become more successful than any of my cousins or my siblings. So I flipped that and I understand that I have certain advantages in life, but I have disadvantages as well. I focused on what can I do? What can I do to do better? And I'm going to do it my way. So I ended up becoming a very successful corporate person with essentially a 10th grade education because I believed that I could. 
I didn't worry about the fact that I couldn't go to college or I couldn't do this, or I didn't come from the right family. Uh, then I read a book um, several years back called Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and realized that you know I came from a poor dad family. Even though my, my father was sort of upper middle class, he had that poor dad ment mentality. And reading that book was so transformative for me because it was like music to my ears. Yes, if you start thinking like a wealthy person, you can be a wealthy person. If you think like a happy person, if you think like a free person, an abundant person, a joyous person, and not worry and focus on what you want and not worry so much about what society tells you you can't do, be, or have, then that's going to be your reality. And we have examples of people from all walks of life breaking through those barriers that they're told that they're told that they have. We see that all the time. And those are our favorite stories because that's what we're here for is that triumph. Right. So success. I want to talk about that for a minute, because one of the things that I recognize in people that I talk to a lot is that there is a definition of success that usually is being very successful at your job and making a lot of money. And that's kind of the standard definition of, of success. And yet in people who believe that they, or who choose to be spiritual and be from a spiritual space, they believe that there is something negative about that idea of success and abundance and actually wanting that. And so they judge themselves for that. And in doing that, I believe they block their abundance. And so how do you get into a mindset that success isn't bad, it's just a thing, or that money isn't bad to want you, that you can be spiritual and you can be abundant and successful? I love that. I love your perspective, first of all. You read my book, so you know that we share that. Yes. And it's interesting because I just recorded, I, I record my podcast every Monday, and I just recorded with uh, someone who's graduating my program. And, and I don't think I'm going to title it this, but her, her theme was that her Chanel bags got her up her spiral. <laughs> and we were laughing that, okay, that's really going to be a turnoff to a lot of people because not everybody has a Chanel bag to, to raise their vibration, right? And of course, being joyful and one with source and loving yourself shouldn't have anything to do with the Chanel bag. I totally get that. But there's also nothing wrong with having a Chanel bag and there's nothing wrong with allowing a Chanel bag or appreciation of it to take your vibration up. It, it, it's just not victimizing yourself if you're not into that. It's not your thing. You know, it's, 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 it's funny how that gets so demonized. And I am one who grew up poor, who really focused all of my spiritual gifts on manifesting money and material things for a good part of my life. I arrived at age 40, 41. And I had manifested the life of what I thought was a rich person when I was a kid. I, I looked around and realized, gosh, when I was a kid, I would have said that I was rich. You know, I was living in Bellevue, Washington, a beautiful 4,200 square foot house atop of a mountain. I know it well, Bellevue. Yeah, I lived at the summit. I lived in the summit right there in Bellevue. And I uh, nice. had a, a Mercedes and a Porsche and a house full of beautiful things and, you know, had all the stuff. And I realized I like all the stuff, but I'm still not a happy person. There's a lot of other things in my life that aren't working and just, just doubling down on this idea that getting a nicer house and a fancier car. And I noticed that every time I, I would, I would lease my cars and every time I lease a car, I would jump up, you know, 10, $20,000 in price, but I got in a $90,000 car at one point. And I you know, realized, okay, I like this car. It's nice, but I still have the same problems that I had before in a bigger car payment. And it's not really doing the trick. So I was the one that sort of stepped away from all of that. And ultimately, 
the last frontier for me of releasing all of that was when I quit my corporate job in 2017 and started the stream of David as, as more than just a podcast. I'd started the podcast, I'd written the book, but I, then I went into to teaching and coaching and just sharing this for a living. And to this day, I have not pocketed the kind of money that I pocketed in corporate, but now I love what I do every single day. I absolutely love what I do all day, every day. And when I was in corporate, I did not. So th there's, there's a huge difference there, but I still appreciate material things and money. I appreciate our system of commerce because it's based on exchange. Because you could say, well, gosh, if you're spiritual, you shouldn't want for anything. You should just be happy with whatever you have. I think there's nothing wrong with that. If that's, if that's really what you want to live a simple life. But at the end of the day, unless you're going to go and live in the wilderness, which again, you can do that as well. You're going to live in a structure. You're going to eat food. You're probably going to need electricity. You need healthcare in this society. Our society is built on a system of commerce. And if you think about it, we all chose to manifest into this. And I think most spiritual people would agree with this. We chose vibrationally to manifest into this world of contrast. And we have a system of commerce that we chose to manifest into. And when we're demonizing it and saying that it's unfair and it's terrible and it's awful, what are we offering the world and that negative opinion of it? And where are we in the, the pyramid, if you will? If you think of the top of the pyramid of, as being the, the most successful, happy people there are, those two different things, and anything less than that being less than that, where are you in that pyramid on any topic if you're saying this is wrong and this is bad and this shouldn't be, and the billionaires of the world need to give all their money away? But the problem is that we're vibrational beings having a vibrational experience, and we very often are looking at others and judging their experience from our perspective. So we see someone who's homeless or we see someone who's, you know, living in another country, perhaps, you know, playing in dirty water and think, gosh, that shouldn't be. That's awful. And I understand that. I've seen that and had that reaction, but we're judging it. And if source isn't judging us, then why are we judging it? Mm -hmm. And how much are we offering those people by demonizing or judging their experience? Right. So. I, I like to ask this question because I get this question a lot. Um, we've talked all the way down to um, going through suffering and uh, finding abundance and uh, being happy with uh, our state of being, however it has to be. What, what would your answer to if I were to say, why are we here? Like, what is the purpose of us being in the physical self? on this planet at this point? I mean, what is the purpose behind that? What there goes Chuck with the easy questions. <laughs> well, yeah, that, we get asked that, the stream gets asked that more than I do, but I have absorbed enough stream teachings at this point. I will say the stream's answer to that is that we are all expressions of source and there is one source and it's a collective consciousness of all that is. And we are a physical expression of that, that experience what we would call suffering to inspire us toward new thought, which leads to new creation. So we come to a physical environment to have a physical experience because we, we love the physical experience. There's a lot of really good things in a physical experience. We like sex. We like travel. We like food. We love sunshine. We love water. You know, there's just think of how many things there are that we really just appreciate 
and we don't even know why, but all of those experiences and things and all of the beauty of the world, that's all source expressed and we are source expressed. So we're here to experience those things, but the growth does not come from just coming in and saying, oh, wow, this is pretty and I have everything I want and life is great. No, there's suffering. There's a food chain, right? <laughs> there are storms that come through and destroy forests. And there's, there's all sorts of natural effects that cause what we might call damage or even destruction of something. But at the end of the day, when something is destroyed, it's not really destroyed. It's just altered and it returns itself to the earth. And if there is consciousness running through all creation, then that consciousness is eternal. It's just having a temporary physical experience. And the experiencing of physical and the experiencing of things appreciated and needing to solve things to expand in that physical experience, even if the solving is not being eaten or if the solving is you know, having a limb cut off and having your one back or the solving is being the mutation of the earth environment that humanity truly is and moving out of the food chain and then creating all of this stuff that we create. And if you think about our creation, it's getting closer and closer and closer to our design of source as far as our designed bodies go. Think about that, that how robotic we really are, how perfectly designed our human bodies are as sort of the top of the food chain of the planet earth. And we're creating all of this technology that is becoming more and more and more human-like. I was watching something on YouTube last night about Facebook creates these robots to run things. And then they realize that the robots are having, have developed their own language that no one can decode at this point. And they're having conversations amongst themselves in their own language. <laughs> How cool is that? And creepy at the same time, right? So yes. we're creating all of this technology and we're moving closer and closer and closer to the perfection of the human technology. But we're designed to come and have this experience where we're in this earth environment and as mutations of the planet, we have created now our own technology that is getting closer and closer and closer to sources creation, which is our body. And in that, all of that creation is because we found something distasteful or uncomfortable or a challenge or an obstacle, and we want to solve it. And we're getting, and, and if you notice, we're speeding up in our solving of it. I saw something else the other day where in Dubai, they're creating rain. They're actually creating rain from the clouds because they had a drought and they have figured out technology to actually make it rain. It's incredible. We're, oh. we're catching up to, to source creation. Who knows what's going to happen when we catch up to that? We flip back around and don't need that anymore. Or we destroy ourselves. Who knows? But right. nothing's going to destroy our being. This is just a physical environment that's temporary. Right. Well, I hope I answered that question. I hope that made sense. It was awesome. <laughs> I'm going to lay awake at night and stare at the ceiling tonight and be like, okay. But well, at the end of the day, it really is. It's the obstacles. It's the challenges. It's the suffering. All of that stuff exists to because we think about it. We are capable of new thought when we get up into that source connected space, when we're down and not connected to source, not fully allowing that connection, we're really just recycling, but we solve problems and we create things when we're really up there. That's why we call it source. Yeah. And source is creating new in conjunction with our expression and physical based on things that we think we need to change or fix or, or evolve beyond that is new creation. And that is the expansion of source, which is the expansion of the universe. 
Right. So this is this is what it's making me think. And please stop me if I'm just going way too far down the rabbit hole. I love but the rabbit hole. I, I do. <laughs> Let's go. All right. You ready for some rabbit hole crap? Here we go. Um, we are creations of a creator and we are creating things that are now capable of creating. And those then become capable of creating at some point, and those then become capable of creating. So what did source come from that was capable of creating us? I love that. And that's a question that the stream was asked, what is the source of source? And they went into a very detailed answer that I could not begin to repeat. But basically, it was that original spark of thought. And they left it open at the very end of the explanation and says, and they say, we are original thought as far as we know. <laughs> I love that. Uh -huh. <laughs> because think about it. They don't know. Right. They don't know. It's just an endless mirror image, right? Endless mirror image. And when you think about endless, and it's very hard for us to comprehend endless in what we are perceiving as this linear environment of time and space and all of that, but it's not, it's, it's infinite. We can't comprehend infinite. Not really. We can say that we do. And okay, there's no ending to it. But really think about that. There's no ending to it. It's an endless mirror image. What we know as the universe is as much as we know. And if you take all that back all the way down to just planet Earth and think about how the universal process of creation created Earth and continues to expand Earth and that everything from there is infinite in its creation. So maybe ultimately then what we have to be comfortable with is knowing that we're not ever going to know everything. Yeah. Well, the need to know everything, that's all ego stuff anyway, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm incredibly curious about like everything. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. But there does, you get to a senior, you can wrap your head around the idea of infinite, mm -hmm. but, and, and I can even wrap my head around the idea of everything and to simplify it, everything that's ever happened and everything that's ever going to happen is consciousness. Therefore it is simultaneous. It's one thing. Yeah. I got it's, that. It's, yeah. So that we can wrap our heads around, but I love it when you're channeling source. And I think all of us who, who do this type of work and, and all humanity, all creation is an expression of source. So if we channel, we're channeling that, even if we identify it as something else, I get that. So mm -hmm. you're channeling source and source is original thought. And I have seen from them what that original thought was and I, I I can't even describe it. It's just just that. It's just a spark, less than a speck of dust. Something we can't even begin to to think of how small that was and how much is it has expanded to get where we are now. But I can take it to earthly terms and think of this: the Earth environment started out as something that would not have fit on a the the, the needle on the, the eye of a needle. It, I mean, it, it's, it's less than a speck of dust, right? And that speck of dust attracted something else of like nature. And from there, earth was created. Right. Because it started out as some sort of a rock formation, probably. And then it attracted something else and something else and something else. And then the, you know, the environment uh, developed around it. And then life developed around it. And, and, and on from there, even science has, has figured a whole lot of that out at this point. But just to think of what this started out as. Because uh, uh, in physical, a clump of dirt didn't become a clump of dirt. 
right? right. It, it's, right. it's just dirt. It's just dust that becomes right. dirt, that becomes a clump. And then, then suddenly you have a planet right. in a few billion years. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, <laughs> a it's, trillion years, who knows? it's amazing to think about all of that. Um, yeah. Well, and, and the stream has also said that, you know, our planet is basically all decomposed beings forming a planet <laughs> that all of this dirt underfoot is decomposed matter. I mean, all that's fair, right? That's yeah, fair. All of it. All of it. <laughs> I think that's another thing that that I like about uh, the channeled stuff. And so when I say that, I mean the stream, I mean, because we all call it different things, but it's all source. It's all the same thing. And we just call it what it feels like to us or what the vibration of that is. So the other thing is that, so I had, and I, I would imagine you get this too every once in a while, just like these little moments of, oh, and then it's there and it's gone so fast that you're only left with like the vibration of what it was, but you mm -hmm. understood. In my it. human state, yes, my channel, that never happens because I let them completely step forward and right. it's so eloquent. <laughs> but when it's just me, I'm the one that's sort of bouncing all over the place with these ideas and they do, they pop in and they pop right out. They do. And so I had one the other day and all I can tell you is that I suddenly understood, not just that it was... Um, like where my attention is in this life and every other life, but in every permuta permutation, is that the word? Every possible configuration, every binary choice, A, B, and they all exist all at once. And it's just an attention thing. And I mean, I've always, I've channeled that, I've written that, but just for a second, I got it. And then it was gone. So I will say one interesting thing, and I, and I do appreciate this about the stream is they will entertain any question. I, I've never heard anyone stump them. And there a lot of times they'll answer something and I'll be sort of like, holy crap, <laughs> I never would have thought of it that way. <laughs> yeah. But they always sort of bring it back to, but let's focus on where you are as human beings and the earth environment and what really serves what you're really looking for. All that curiosity stuff is nice, but they have said that of course, of course, life is infinite and, and there are, you know, endless other physical environments that are like earth and very different from earth and everything in between. And, and we've all, I'm sure seen that, but the value in their message is the value of our human experience, because that, that's why we don't have awareness of all that we are, because we came here with the intention to have this earthly human experience and all of the value for us in this experience is actually here. And that includes source, of course, because source is running through all of it. But, you know, concerning yourself about what's going on on other planets or other lifetimes, even they, they, they will say, well, that is all infinite. So you couldn't begin to explore that stuff from your human perspective. Yeah, the George Collective calls it this here now. That's they talk about this here now. A lot. Yeah, that's where the value is, right? Yeah, this here now. Absolutely. And most of the time, I'm pretty good at this here now. But I have always been an incredibly curious person. I've always wanted to just, I mean, I just like to learn stuff. And so I think every once in a while, they give me little glimpses just to, you know, satisfy some of that. Yeah. Well, and I've seen some freaky things and it was sort of like, see, we told you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sure, you, don't want to see it. <laughs> yeah, your human, your human perspective and you're expecting it to be, it's funny because science fiction, you know, whenever you see something that's supposedly from another planet, it's always very human adjacent. 
You know, yeah. it's always a being yeah. right, with two legs and two arms and a head and two eyes. It just looks different. Than, and, and I'm sure there's things, you know, uh, extraterrestrials or whatever you want to call them that are like that. And, and I don't doubt any of that stuff, but just think about how, if you're thinking infinite, you know, not every planet is round, right? Not every physical right. environment is like this. Not, not every physical environment has beings that communicate the way we do. This is how the earth environment developed as its own thing. And it's unique in that way in an infinite universe. That's incredible. And, and of course, we couldn't begin to really explore that. No, but it'd be cool. Okay. So, David, we have come to the part of the show where I know you you said you already shared your intentional practice mid-show because I asked you about it. But did you do you have another one that you could share with our listeners that might they might find helpful? Well, I think the detuning thing is if, if I'm speaking to someone or meeting somebody for the first time, just the, the, the value of detuning in your life and detuning is accomplished through appreciation and all of these things, all of our triggers and all of our trauma and all of our pain, we are taught not to appreciate that stuff and look what that does to us. And I teach people to appreciate the unappreciable. And when you appreciate it, you detune it, you take its power away from you. And I'll give you a very, since I talked about murders and all this stuff earlier, mm -hmm. I'll give you a very light example. So I just started running a, a lot of ads and stuff on Facebook and I have not advertised on Facebook in a long time for my business. And I forgot about how much trolling you subject yourself to when you're, <laughs> when you're marketing, especially spiritually focused or law of attraction based program. There's just all these awful comments about you and about what you're doing and just nasty, the nastiest of the nasty. And I read those in the beginning, like, Oh God, I forgot about this. You know, I forgot I have to read this stuff. And I talked to the marketing people and he said, Hey, this is good. This is good for you because everybody that comments on your posts, even if they're hating you, they are boosting your, your reach and they're actually saving you money. You're reaching more people for less money. So it's a good thing. Let them do it, leave them alone. And I thought, oh, wow, I really do appreciate that. That's great. So I applied that appreciation to the trolls and really forgot about it. The ads did extremely well. They did everything we wanted them to do and more. And then a couple of days later, I clicked on one of the ads in the comments and all the comments were suddenly positive. All of these people appreciating what the ad was about, talking about it, having a conversation amongst themselves. That's how powerful appreciation is. And you can apply that in your life. The things that you don't appreciate right now, notice how they tend to stick around. And when you start finding appreciation for things, and, and all you need to do is just take the judgment out of it, the judgment that we're taught to, to feel and just find appreciation for just being alive and for having that experience and knowing that it served you in some way and know that when you find appreciation for it, that clarity of source of how it served you or will serve you or is serving you, that shows up magically. And you can literally change the behavior of the world around you. It's incredible. So that's the thing I like to share. I love that. And appreciating trolls and transforming them into something positive. You have just done God's work there, David. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Are you ready to shamelessly self-promote? Sure. Uh, we are the stream of David everywhere podcast website, the stream of David.com. Uh, the practice is the Taya practice T Y A. It stands for trust your abundance. You can Google it. You can find all sorts of stuff. We do have a Facebook group of that name, but the thing I like to send everybody to, so write this one down is the stream of David masterclass.com. The stream of David masterclass.com. When you go to that uh, site, it'll take you right into a masterclass and you can start learning this Taya practice in that masterclass. 
I love it. And we will make sure we put that in the show notes. David, thank you so much. I'm glad that we got the opportunity to talk. I, I love everything you have to say. I enjoyed your book. And I think that, that people can learn a lot from engaging with you and with the stream. So thank you so much. Well, I enjoyed meeting both of you and it was a lot of fun. I appreciate yeah. being here. Yeah, thank you. Thank All you. right, everybody. That is David Strickle, the stream of David, the stream of David masterclass.com. Check the show notes and you can find out where to find more of his things. The book is also called The Stream of David. It's on Amazon. I read it. I highly recommend it. Um, and Chuck, thanks for sitting in. Hey, no problem. It was fun. I like doing this. I know it's been too long. Mm, yes and david was a great guest so you know um, it was awesome it's good all right very good okay so thank you everybody for listening to another episode of intention is everything and y'all have a good week bye